Hey everyone and welcome to episode 56 of the Pursuit of Love podcast. My name is Steve Clayton and we are back. Season three, episode two. Uh, last week was rusty. Well, we said it was going to start rusty, but I don't think it was that rusty at all. I think it was ah, a good episode. So we're back for number two. We're in a, we're in a reg- regular rhythm now. Every Friday you can expect new episodes. So it's like that cheeky end of week, you know, beverage, maybe a beer or a whiskey in the afternoon. That's our goal. Uh, but I'm joined with the two great men, uh, Darcy J. Smythe, who hopefully you might know by now, the business partner. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Good to be back. Good to I feel be like back. last week went well. You're, you're, you're right. Like it. Yeah. We were, we were wanting it to be a bit more rusty, perhaps, than it even was. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were looking for that antique rust, but, you know, it was <laughs> polished and slick. Um, yeah. And we've also got the great man, Diff Crowther, mate. Welcome back for episode two. How are you? I can provide your antique roadshow. Uh, it's my, one of my favorite TV shows. So, yeah, I give I got all the antique rust that you guys can handle. Yeah, you mate. may you may notice something about Diff's um, antique rustic voice at the moment. He's got a new microphone. Hopefully, it sounds yeah. better than last time. Oh, that means the quality of the podcast has increased by about twenty five percent. And Steve and I will be next in line. So, if you're sick of hearing our voices all at different levels, which means at maximum we can get seventy five percent improvement. I don't know why you chose twenty five percent there, mate. Oh, there you go. Oh well, that's. Uh, <laughs> For oh, that works for you to find out, I guess. Well, that actually <laughs> works. That does work because uh, it's not just going to be us three on on every episode. We are we we have some uh, we some guests in mind. We have some guests in mind. We want to we want to have a chat with some of those bright minds, uh, like in the previous seasons. Uh, but yeah, this <laughs> can uh, we be honest about the guests, Steve. The whole guest thing. Yeah, and the honesty thing comes with the guests. Is we're going to have some guests on from time to time. Underneath the surface of that is actually. We used to have a guest every single week and we mm. just got tired of having to find the guest every time. It would have been so much better if the promise we made was sometimes we'll have a guest, sometimes we won't. Yeah, I think that's the goal. I think it's, uh, you get what that's you get. That's freedom. You get what you get and you don't get upset. That's yeah. the, that's, that's, that's <laughs> my mind, man. They say it to each other now. That's While good. they're upset. I mean, they're, they're bawling and they're repeating it to themselves. <laughs> don't get upset. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but it's uh it's been a wild couple of weeks in business hasn't it lads we're it's yeah. it's been a it's been such a good month um but it's been wild and it feels like everyone's feeling the same way that january was just this crazy you know uh rolling the ball uphill but we yeah. feels like we're up to the top of the hill now and it's starting to roll down the other side and it's yeah but that's been that's exciting. That's yeah hasn't that been the theme of the last 18 months it's like wow this is wild yeah, but it kind of feels like we're getting around the corner or something now. Yeah. And you're and never around the never, corner. Never ends. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, new corners. Corners aren't necessarily bad things. You get, you get a new view when you go around a corner. That's yeah, true. Yeah. It's true. A new, Different perspective. A new, a new view of the hill you've now got to climb. To oh, right. Sisyphus. Jeez, listen to you. <laughs> Actually, what was the name of that guy? Was that the guy who was rolling that rock yeah, up the hill exactly. the whole time? Rolling the rock up the hill and always falling down again. Classic that's a- going on over here. Oh, just another rock, just another hill. That's not all <laughs> another day, You're another dollar, another like rock, that. another hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not you at all. That's by me. The way. I'm actually yeah. Sisyphus, not you. Yeah. <laughs> but we've had some, uh, we've had some good feedback on the last, um, the last sode uh, that uh, people enjoyed the whole discussion around new things because I think, heck, we've all had to do a lot of new things. Mm. Um, but it's a uh, Maybe a bit of an interesting tact on this week. We were were just about to get roaring into the conversation, as normally happens on podcasts, by the way, for those that know. Have you ever noticed that you're about to get ripping and roaring into a conversation, then you have to go, stop, 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 stop. No, hang on, hit the record button before we keep going. Oh, yes. It was one of those. But we're essentially about to, to fall down the line or the path of, okay, new stuff, cool. What about when you're doing the same stuff over and over and over and over again, or when you find yourself stuck in a very uh, particular lane? So for those that are new to the Pursuit of Love podcast, we're essentially a business geek, a, a psychology whiz, and a philosophy fanboy all come together. You pick who's who, by the way. We won't tell you who. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm the business geek. Das is the psychology whiz, and uh, Diff is the, the philosophy fanboy. And uh, I'd say we all see the world in a different different way, but we're all obviously collaborating on this, you know, this business called the Outbound Game that we're building around the world. And it's been been a ton of fun. But 
I suppose the 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 topic or the conversation I want to throw open today to you lads is what about when you get stuck in your lane so much that you fail to see the other areas and those other areas is exactly what you need. For example, I'll, I'll talk personally for a moment here. I love business so much. I can't help but see near everything through the lens of business. And I would argue if you love philosophy so much, you can't help but see everything through the lens of philosophy. And Dar, same with you, you know, mm, mm. you love psychology so much that you see everything through the lens of psychology. Yeah. But what if, what if that's damaging? What if being so stuck in your lane, so stuck in your niche, so stuck in your craft is actually taking you away from the pursuit of love, the thing that really lights you up? Because I, what I'm, and I think maybe this is why people are enjoying these chats as well. It's interesting to see something from a different perspective. I think everyone enjoys that, whether you've had a conversation with a friend or a mentor or whatever it may be, and they just see it from a different angle. And you're like, yeah, I didn't see it that way. The world is different to my algorithm of my newsfeed that just spits back at me all my own beliefs. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, that's why it's not a what if, Steve. I mean, I don't think there's any what if about it. It's absolutely accurate to say that uh, getting stuck in one way of looking at things, one way of experiencing the world is going to be problematic. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Mm. Define yeah. problematic there, Diff. Well, it can come, come in a variety of different ways, I suppose, but the very fact you know, that, that you just shifted from saying, oh, other people's perspectives. We started talking about perspectives, right? Mm. So one of the problematic things that could be thrown up is that we really struggle to um, relate well to other people. You know, we are subjective. We can't help it. We're subjects, which means we see everything subjectively. Now that I am not a believer in subjectivism, which means that there is no kind of objective reality, objective truth, whatever. However, you can't escape the fact that we're subjects and therefore we see the world through our own lens, through our own kind of um, frame of reference. Everything that we see is colored from our perspective. Mm -hmm. If you get locked into only seeing things one way, one of the problems, and I think there's a lot, but one of the problems is that everybody else's perspective becomes untenable, not even worth considering, actually really confusing. And then you can't really relate to them very well because no one, no one really makes sense. No one can kind of fit into this very small, narrow world that you've created. Can you give us an example of how, like, that, how that would play out in real life for someone? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, um, well, let's use the three of us, right? For example, if you're going to, if let's say Steve is so one-eyed on business, everything is about business and he's not got room in his life for anything else. And not just philosophy or psychology, but, um, you know, faith, religion, um, even, I guess you could say ethics, you know, so even everything else, it's like you've got a, uh, a, a pile of different ways of thinking about the world and or a series of lenses and the one at the front, everything else gets seen through the one at the front. You know, mm. if you've got um, five lenses in a row, You've got philosophy, psychology, family, faith, and then business is at the front. That was probably yeah. six. I wasn't counting. Uh, everything gets seen through the lens of business first. I mm. tell you what, if you see your family through the lens of business first, there's going to be some problems because business mm. is about transactions. Right? Mm. It doesn't mean that transactional thinking doesn't occur in families. It does. But you've got to be able to go beyond transactional thinking because love is not just about transaction. It's about sacrifice. Mm. And there are plenty of times in a relationship where you're going to give and you're not going to get in return, certainly not in the immediate. And that is not only okay, but it's what's required of you. You do that in business too much and you're out of business. Yeah. Same. I suppose same with, if you see the entire world through the lens of family and then you go start a business and you try and make friends with friends with all your buyers and you know, Absolutely. And you can't have a real sudden, conversation with you. You're giving, yeah. you're giving out all this credit and then you're out of business. Right? Yes. Mm. Yep. Mm. Mm. That's good. Well, well then it's, yeah, I like that. It's, well, I've picked up a couple of things on that. One, the order of things is important. Mm. And depending on how you stack the order of things, you're going to get a very different cake, right? <laughs> if you, you got a recipe, you've got all the same ingredients 
you put those order of ingredients in a different format, you're going to get a very different cake, right? You start with the icing and that's first and then you, you put that on the bottom and then you chuck a bit of flour on, like that's weird versus actually following a method. Is that what we're all trying to figure out? What is what is the appropriate order of things? Because it seems like that's where, you know, in our consulting business, right? That's where people get stuck is they've put in something ahead of something else inappropriately or in too much or in too, too big a amount and all of a sudden... You know, honey, why aren't you ever home? It's like, well, I'm at business, I'm at work all the time. You know, that's the order of things. I'm putting, I'm putting my workplace ahead of my family. Is that really what we're getting at then? Is it not so much that it's a perspective thing, but rather the order of things? Well, it comes back. We talked about it a little bit last week, the auto amorous concept, the ordering of loves. I think, I think what we're talking about now is saying how we see the world. So mm-hmm. What is, I mean, we probably all have a primary lens that we see the world through almost either by default or it's the person that we've become over time. Yeah. And that's, or it's unconscious in a way. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it would be, it would be, mm. unless you've done a lot of introspective thinking through this and trying to understand yourself, it would be um, because you see through it. That's the whole mm. point of it. It's see through, right? Mm. It's not, it's not visibly there to you until something happens in your life and someone has to point it out to you and you have a moment of crisis where you're forced to look at yourself. It doesn't have to be a moment of crisis, but it often is a moment of crisis. Yeah, it's way more exciting for the viewers if it is a moment of crisis. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> when the house is on fire and everyone's freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, maybe, so, yeah. So maybe rather than order, because <clears throat> I think maybe that's a little bit different. Maybe this is about coherence. Mm. This is about the these again, let's just take these three fields that we're talking about, business, psychology, philosophy, coherence between them, that these three things don't have perspectives which disagree with each other, which come into uh, internal conflict. Because that's when you start to get the cognitive dissonance, right? Mm. You believe one thing one second and you operate out of that and then you go down the road and all of a sudden you're operating out of a different kind of uh, process of thinking which means that you're building within yourself internal incoherence or mm. co- cognitive dissonance, if not kind of, you know, soul dissonance, you know, something in- internal within you, which is kind of starting to become fragmented because there is not a holistic way of doing life, which is consistent across all spheres. Mm. And how hard is that to put together though for well, the average person? Well, I think it, that's what I like that's, about. Yeah, that's, yeah. 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 But let's, I've got an idea then, right? Like, and I'd really love to hear both your perspectives, right? Because if that's the answer, if it's, if it's the congruence between them all and trying to get them to kind of blend into something useful, it would also then make sense to know what is the purpose of each of those things, right? So for business, the highest purpose, in my opinion, of business is to generate profit, period. That's why business exists, is to generate it's to generate profit. And really profit is just simply the number associated with growth. That's it. And the more profit you have in a business, the more categorical growth you have created for the world. Understanding that no one's going to give you a dollar unless you're solving a problem for them. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a really profitable company, you've solved a lot of problems for humans. It's just categorical measure of growth. Like that's the purpose of business is to generate profit. Nice. What would you say is the purpose of psychology and what is the purpose of philosophy if we're going to run down that same line of, okay, if we can somehow put a North Star on these things, I'd be curious to know how those three, if we can get to that, how those three ideas now intersect if we have the highest purpose in mind for all, all of them. So, yeah, that's well, what you think about psychology. Yeah, yeah, when you talk psychology, you've got the question of what's the highest purpose for the brain specifically. So neurologically, what's the highest purpose of the brain existing? which would be something along the lines of solving problems and sorting information. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's a, it's, a, it's a fishing net for all of the tens of thousands of bits of information that enter your brain every millisecond. It needs to be able to grab like seven of them and decide what's most important and put that together in some sort of meaningful way that uh, helps you know how to act. And how, to, and how to stay alive. That really is it. That's it from the brain perspective. Then you've got the question of, well, what about from the perspective of the mind? Mm. And the mind really is a question of that. That starts to become far more intangible, far more immeasurable, far more um, eth- uh, ethereal. Is that the word I'm after? Um, eth- you know, ethereal. Just 
Yeah, yeah. You, you start to earn a lot more Ethereum and Bitcoin when you start to have this conversation. When you start to tap into your mind. Mate, you that's it. That's so sign up for my seven-part course on Four how to get Ethereum. Theory, how to make lots of Bitcoin. <laughs> well, maybe maybe that maybe that segues into the philosophy side of things is is when we yeah. start to realm into the territory of mind. Is that I would suggest that's where that intersects. Is yeah. where the philosophy side of things kicks in. Yeah, well... <clears throat> Well, probably two things. Steve, you talked about what the purpose of business was. Uh, and very, very quickly, you went beyond what you said. You started off by saying the purpose of business is to make a profit, but then you actually ended up saying you make a profit to solve people's problems or you're solving people's problems and it generates a profit. So which of those two things is the higher end? Remember last week we talked about this, you know, subsequent ends. You do this in order to do this in order to do this. Yeah, the lead measure would have to be the solving of a problem because no one's ever going to give you money unless that happens. So profit is the lag measure. The solving of a problem would be the lead measure. But it's interesting because it then begs a question of, well, why are you doing it? Which one of those two are you after? And if you focus too much on one, does it mean that it comes at the detriment of the other? But then 100%. you get to yeah. you get to what Darth said and Darth's talking about the brain and then it starts to go into the mind and Das is talking about this is like a understanding how it works or, or what we do and and how these processes happen philosophy really comes in with the why philosophy is attempting to ask why those other two things that you guys just talked about even, even matter. matters <laughs> why mm. does that even matter right? see so, and here's where i get back to the site here's where i get back to the psychology and the brain being the king of them all because <laughs> Sorry, because, philosophy is the key. Because here's the thing. Please give but, me your argument. But, but what, oh, is, well. what is doing the philosophizing? Who is doing the philosophizing? Sure. I mean, that's one way of thinking about it. But the problem is that the, the, the philosophy steps outside of the brain in order to think about the brain, right? So <clears throat> when you go and limit it back down to the brain, you are, you are only able to think about things from a certain perspective, right? So... Mm -hmm. The brain kind of, uh, the mind, I'm going to say the mind rather than the brain, the mind pushes outside of itself in order to try to understand itself. But it's not uh -huh. only trying to understand itself. It's trying to understand everything else as well. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Now, yes, it's the organ that's doing it. Um, but there's whole realms of philosophy that would suggest that if, if you only did philosophy of, of the mind, if you only did <clears throat> kind of philosophical psychology, then you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of other realms of Philosophy. Yeah, and other philosophies that would exist even if the human mind weren't here. Well, uh, if you believe that, I, I, yeah. which I do, absolutely yeah. I do, yeah. um, because that means that philosophy, thinking, and ideas themselves are not contingent upon human minds thinking about them, right? So if there were no such thing as humans in the world, the idea of truth would still exist, regardless of whether or not people are here to think about it. Great. So this is the this is the classic of if the tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Absolutely. And it's a really, really, really old argument. It goes all the way back to Plato thinking about the 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 uh, world of ideal forms and whether or not these things exist outside of the human mind. So you mm. kind of have this ancient debate between nominalism, which believes that the things that exist only exist in the in the minds of people. We see things and we categorize things and we say such a thing as humanity exists. But if there were no humans around, there would be no such thing as humanity. And actually, humanity is just a word that we have created sure. in our own mind in order to make sense of the world. In other words, there is no sense in the world. What humans do is try to make sense of a senseless world by grouping things together and giving them names. Mm. And then the opposite side of that is is uh, realism, which goes back to you know Platonic realism. And then Aristotle kind of changed it a little bit as well and said, no, no, these things actually exist. And what we're doing is we're reaching out and discovering meaning in the world rather than looking at meaninglessness and saying, this does not compute. I need to try to make meaning in the Create world. it. Yeah. Okay, a couple of things there. So um, you, you, you sort of get to the point there, I guess, at the end of the day of what you could ask this question now, what's the purpose of life? Mm. And with that theory, what you're saying is there is no purpose. Humans create the purpose. 
nominalism. You just des- yeah. you decide what the purpose is of life. And, I mean, yeah, that's not how nominalism started, <laughs> certainly, but it's you can see. But you can see where my line of thinking is going there oh, on that argument on that theory. I, I agree. I agree, Darcy. Yeah. It's, it's exactly an argument I've made many times, which is nominalism led to basically over the course of five six hundred years, postmodernism exactly where we are today. You know, and um, and only ramping up. Yeah, you know what? I actually don't think it is ramping up anymore. Okay. I think we've seen the heyday of postmodernism because Okay. Just put uh, some definition on yeah. yeah. Just yeah. put some definition on postmodernism. Because I hear Jordan Peterson say that word a lot. And yeah. I always I always nod my head like with intelligence oh, yeah, when he yeah, says, yeah. Oh yes, but the postmodernist. But what does it actually mean? It's a pretty broad terminology, so maybe I shouldn't use it either. But what I will say is that the re um, the reinterest the reinvigoration of people's interest in spirituality has probably meant that um, it's not, yeah, it's not postmodernism that we're past. It's a kind of scientific deconstructionism that we're past. And actually postmodernism is one of the things that's helped us to rediscover. Mm. So scientific deconstructionism, reductionism, that's the kind of nominalist thing. That's the thing that says there's nothing out there. It's just, we're just atoms and we're and the atoms in our brain try to make sense of the atoms that are out there and that's all there is postmodernism is almost the um trying to recapture the fact that there's meaning out there in the world uh Mm -hmm. but still saying well we're kind of the ones that make it and that's where you have a lot of uh spiritual but not religious people these days right they don't Mm -hmm. subscribe to a particular way of making sense of the world because uh, they don't like the idea that someone else would tell them what the order and meaning of the world is, but they do believe that they have the capacity to make it for themselves. Uh, it's existentialism, really. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in a sense I could get behind existentialism is only growing, Steve, but it's, it's interesting uh, what, you know, the patterns of the world and how a loss of meaning then kind of means that some people will return to try to discover meaning. Uh, mm. in a variety of different ways do you do you go ahead actually go ahead well i was just going to say and this gets right back to steve's question a while ago because i didn't I didn't quite get there what's the purpose of philosophy uh well philosophy comes from philae sophos the love of wisdom so why do we philosophize because we want to understand right? mm. and so mm. wisdom is the end of philosophy um and that's I don't think there's many other higher pursuits. No. So I can yeah. understand and I, and I respect. And I don't respect think anyone wants to throw that out when you define it that way. You know, I think sometimes people would view philosophy as like some, you know, where were you sit in a library and read about old people and how yeah. they think. Yeah. But really, if, if you define philosophy as the pursuit of wisdom, I don't think anyone's throwing that out. Like that's attractive to anyone. Like, do you want to be a fool or do you want to be wise? And Absolutely. we all know what it feels like to be a fool. And we all know what it feels like to be wise. And no one's electing to be a fool. Um, and we're philosophers by default. So anyone that says they don't like philosophy, well, it's a philosophical statement, you know, so you, you, you can't yeah. escape it. Making sense, it's just like not saying I don't like psychology. I mean, you can put a psychological lens on that and say, well, yeah. let's talk about why you've said that, right? Yeah, well, if someone can say I don't like business, it's like, all right, you're trying to sell me that idea. You're in business. A- yeah. abs- absolutely. Yeah. And you cannot, I was going to say before, you cannot conduct business a philosophically so like away from mm, philosophy mm, every mm. time you make a decision there is even if it's and it most of the time is a subconscious uh, unconscious tacit assumptions going on in, in the background of your mind uh which are philosophical which come from philosophical uh, that's so true isn't that it hold. that's so true because you even think about the biggest companies in the world these days right and they they, they it appears like they're trying to separate themselves from any other worldview you know, pander to somewhere in the middle, but really what they're doing is just pandering to whatever the loudest mass market is saying right now. And then, and then they prescribe to that, right? So whatever it may be. So it's interesting to say like, yeah, you, you can't separate, maybe it's impossible to separate business and philosophy because, you know, as soon as you say, what's the purpose of your business or why do you do what you do? You're straight into philosophy territory. Am I right Mm. in saying that? Well, this is, this is one of the arguments. I remember having this conversation with Das geez, a year and a half ago when I kind of was really asking him, what does he mean when he says philosophy? And this is one of my arguments for why people should be more interested in the sitting in a library, reading a book by a bunch of old dead people, right? Because 
we are philosophical by default and we all have philosophies, you know, from which we operate, by which we operate, but we do it in such ignorance. We do it Mm. completely ignoring the fact that some brilliant, brilliant minds have gone before us for thousands of years and have answered these questions far better than how we can answer them today. So why would we want to live in that ignorance? I'm not suggesting everyone goes out there and becomes a scholar, you know, goes really hardcore into it and starts reading Wittgenstein or something, but Mm. getting a general idea of some of the really, really big ideas throughout history certainly helps you to be able to get that coherence, get that internal coherence, because what I was talking about before, nominalism versus realism, people walk around as if they believe in realism all the time, completely mm. operating in, they, in, in the sphere of things are real. There are real things out there. Values are objective. You can't do anything about that. And then they will flip just in an instant to being nominalists. So they live these little nominalist kind of splurges of activity, you know, a little spurt of activity because I want to be a nominalist right now. And that's just building that internal, you know. Example again, difference. What's that? Example again? What well, would you look, say? You know, any anyone. The, the the easiest example is anyone that says that you know there's a there's no objective truth. The question is 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 that true? You know, is that objectively yeah. true? Right. So if you believe um, passionately in other people's um, you know freedom of spe- speech, freedom of expression, uh, and then someone says something that cuts across something else that you believe, you've flipped from being basically in the realist camp something really Mm. exists tangibly like the freedom of expression is an actual real tangible value that exists independent of whether or not i want to believe in it or not and then someone says something you don't like and you say well not that Mm. right and people do that all the time like you can Mm. say whatever you want but you can't say these 10 things that i've written my own personal 10 commandments because i am the god of my own world right so we flip all the time between being realists and nominalists and I don't think that it leads to a coherent life. And so the more you know about some of these ideas, again, broad brushstrokes, the more you can start to live a more coherent life internally. And that's going to be reflected in, in your actions externally in your relationships with other people. Do you ever find yourself biting your tongue a lot, diff having conversations with people philosophically, et cetera. And you're just like, what you literally just said goes against your very belief. Have you learned... What I'm saying is, have you learned how to attend dinner parties socially? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steve's known me for a long time. I'm not great at dinner parties. Um, Normally normally it ends up someone trying to egg a a bit of an argument towards you and then they normally (laughs) get destroyed. Yeah, they normally lose and then go, oh, that was fine. Oh, well. And then it was never about the conversation anyway. (laughs) Yeah, look, honestly, I was, when I was much, when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s, I was pretty militantly argumentative yeah same a lot too yeah and i wanted to win arguments i'm like i'm right you're wrong and i will you know wreck you um i'm not really i don't i don't really want to do that i don't really want to be that person anymore because i don't think and the reason is because it works it doesn't work just make people hate you what's the point and and now you've lost your ability to be able to help them or to give them at least some of your experience and your yeah because it was never about helping them it was about you looking totally yeah and this is why i love business because it's so damn practical go take that strategy in the business world and you'll make no money and then you'll realize ah it's a pretty losing strategy right like (laughs) make the conversation about the other person you know you essentially become a mirror for them and you see growth, you know, it's, mm. it's, I think it'd be interesting that there should be like a philosophy battle where you have to apply it in the commercial world. And if it makes no money, you realize like, okay, it's probably not helping a lot of people. How about this? This is probably where they all wind up. Business is the playground where you implement philosophies and psychology lets you know whether they're working or not. Yeah. That's probably, bad. that's pretty much that's where, it all, where it all winds up. Um, okay. Yeah. Diff, um, you, you've mentioned, uh, okay, to make this super practical, I remember you, you helped me understand something that brought philosophy to life and it, and it brought it to within my hands that I could work with and I could look at the way I was living life and actually be able to almost hold my uh, glitches in my hand and go, this is a bug, that's a glitch, that's not <laughs> adding up with that, that's, that input doesn't equal that output. 
and you guys have spoken about before, but I can't remember what it was. It's like your origin story, your ending story, or what? what is that again? I, I, I've yeah. completely forgotten yeah, it. Yeah, Steve and I have got a little bit different versions of it, but I'll go with Steve first. Uh, mine was like, you know, origin, meaning, morality, and then destiny. And so you got the, you got the origin and the destiny as the book ends. And then what do you make, what do you make it all? So, mean? Or, or, so origin, of course, being where did this all come from? Where did this all come from? Dest- <laughs> destiny being where does this all go? Where does this all okay. end up? Meaning is essentially well, what do you make? What does this all mean? What's the meaning behind that? And then morality to me is, well, then how do you choose to live within those two bookends? And when there's congruence on all four, in my experience, I feel peace and happiness and all the virtues. When there's incongruence between those things, I experience suffering. Okay. So, so, so an example that you might see in the, in the real world is someone saying, well, none of this means anything at all. That's, so, that's the origin. It came from nowhere. It's going nowhere. None of this means anything is my morality. Yes. And, and then, then you're then, like, okay, we'll go shoot that person in the head then. They're like, no. Yeah. You know, okay. So it does, does, yeah. doesn't mean anything. Then what's the point? And they're sure. like, oh, I don't, uh, and then to- totally, it's like you know, you know, I'll give what, you a really taboo one. It's a brash one, you, but yeah, you can choose whether or not to edit it out or not. Yeah, no, go for it. It's interesting. You got to, you, I'm, I mean, of course, yeah, worth the conversation. You um, got to push it to its extremes to to well, to dig out the bugs. That's what yeah, I mean. Like totally. if I if I'd have said just then, oh, we'll go go throw that pile of sand at someone. Yeah, then it would have been like, oh, I could I could do that. I could throw the pile of sand. But if you Brit, what's that other thing? As soon as you bring in Hitler into an argument, you've already lost it. <laughs> but, but, but I feel like we can go there if we're going to well, use I'm, these I'm examples. about to bring incest into an argument. <laughs> All, right. Right. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, listen, I mean, here's the thing, right? What, what are the moral, ethical um, qualms that we have, problems that we have with incest? And I'm talking about, you know, to, to paint it clearly, I'm talking about two consenting adults, let's say a brother and a sister, Right. They're both into it. It's disgusting to talk about. No, but they're both into it. They both want it. They're both consenting. What are the issues? Now, historically, yeah. some of the issues have been, well, this is going to create some problematic progeny, right? There's the yeah. potential for some serious genetic uh, issues, you know, to, to come as the issue of that relationship. Now that we live in the world of contraception and the world of abortion, it's, it's, it's a question that I ask sometimes because this is one of those dissonance things, right? Where it's like, okay, mm. but we believe yeah. X, Y, and Z about marriage, but there's still taboos. Mm. And I am not saying that there shouldn't be taboo. You know, I believe whatever I believe about marriage and, and stuff. But my question is always, why do those taboos exist? Mm. What is it now, today, in 2022, that says to us, you know, even then I was just like, oh, it's a bit gross to talk about or whatever. Why? Like, what is that? Now, I think that there are reasons for it, but if someone (laughs) is to say that marriage is about, you know, two consenting adults, and if you don't have to worry about the kid factor, which we clearly don't these days, I find it interesting that that taboo still exists. I'm not Mm. saying it shouldn't. I'm just like, they're the kind of questions that get me... That that's the that's the philosophy of going okay then let's throw a real hard question at, it, right at the core of your being typically most adults listening to this podcast would be repulsed by the idea yeah to the so, point where we might edit it out because yeah like, oh, like <laughs> no, it's no, not no. a nice thing to talk about no it's no, not but, but, it, but it throws the philosophy right in your face yeah, and goes deal does. with this and understand what where are your gaps now yeah, yeah. fascinating so my so my version of, of the thing that Steve said is uh, you've got three major things that you've got to think about and understand. Anthropology, what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. Um, theology, is there a God? And if there is, what is it? And and what you know, how do we relate to it or or him or whatever? Um, and philosophy, which is really encompassing everything else, which is kind of ethics, metaphysics, all of that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. a lot of the time you can kind of go you know your philosophy so your ethics for example what you do can really be at odds with your anthropology what you believe a human actually is Mm. right and so you hear this a lot when people talk about the fact that we're animals so we're animals and i read something the other day and i can't with ricky gervais i never know if he's being serious or not right (laughs) or if he's just taking the piss but um 
something about assume it's both (laughs) yeah exactly you know we're all animals and we're not superior we're equal and i'm like okay sure but do we do we live like that and if we're animals do animals live like that Mm. because they don't Mm. there's a very definite kind of order in the animal kingdom (laughs) yeah the crocodiles aren't helping the zebras cross the lake (laughs) we're all animals we're all in this together and you know meanwhile the lions are starving to death trying to eat grass because they've become (laughs) vegans all of a sudden you know like in the animal kingdom killing and eating other animals is a normal thing to do and yet the fact that we're all animals if we are just animals then also we are vegans as well uh, you can start to see there's some dissonance there. Now, of course, there's plenty of answers as to the fact that, well, we are animals, but we've evolved to a certain point that we don't need to and so that we shouldn't and all of that sort of stuff. I'm not saying there's not a discussion there, uh, but if we're only animals and only is a pretty important word there, mm. uh, if we're mere animals, then a lot of things that we do and a lot of ways that we think and a lot of things that we believe don't necessarily marry up to this re- reduced idea of what it means to be human. Hmm. Hmm. That's big. I don't think there, anyone. There, there, there goes no my one. weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See you. I don't <laughs> think any. I don't think anyone listen. I can't say anyone. I think majority of the people have never, myself included, sat with a big question like that long enough to even figure out what the core of it is. Think about this. Take a business perspective, for example if you apply that to business and we're all just animals and I, I don't know, I let you down. I don't get back to an email that I should have got back to you. You're a client of mine and I didn't complete a job to the degree I should have. Oh, well stuff it. You gave me money. I got what I needed out of it. You made a bad decision. You're wrong. I'll just keep running my business. Well, it's animal kingdom. You know, we all got to get our own, but there does appear to be something within us that has that herd mentality that puts us puts that can put others above our own survival. Totally. And it appears that doesn't doesn't appear doesn't appear to exist in all other animal um, no. classes. There's there's kind of like this intertwining nature to it. Yeah. And you think business is absolutely that. It's just this massive network of humans. Like I often I often see business as just a whole bunch of nodes of people. And then it's just mm all business is just the connectivity between all of that. Sure. And we all solve it in different ways. Zoom, Zoom's doing it right now. We're all different nodes in different locations and they're just, they've figured out how to bring people together, right? Like it's that same sort of thing uh, in terms of, it appears though, if people fail to see the bigger ecology or the bigger system of the whole thing, they just get stuck. For example, you know, the animal kingdom, it works beautifully well. Like it works incredibly well. Yes, there's things eating other things, but that means it gives us space for that thing to grow. So that thing does this. Like when you take a little bit of a bigger picture, you realize how intertwined everything is. What I've seen, you know, in the modern history, but even where I get myself into trouble is when you only see your little part in the world, you fail to see how you intersect and integrate with with everything else. Yes. And I think so many people try and like isolate themselves, even with their own philosophies. And these are, like you said, these are my 10 commandments, but that, that doesn't integrate with my wife's 10 commandments. So now all of a sudden we've got suffering. Like it's, it seems to be the less that you are the central point of this whole thing. And the more you're part of a broader ecology, the more things make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, I've, we've been, we've what's been, with that? We've been sold. Well, we've been sold this idea uh, again, I think I've spoken about it before of, of individualism. And so you lose sight of the broader ecology that you're a part of, because when you go to the shops, there's food there. Mm. Right. And you're like so disconnected from the process of, of how you got there. I wouldn't want anyone to think because of the, the point that I was making before that I kind of believe in who gives a crap, eat all the animals you want. I actually think that part of the problem that we have right now is we've disconnected food from Mm. its source. Mm. We don't understand even though I believe we're more than animals, I still believe that we are animal, right? That's mm-hmm. like we're, we're part of this animal kingdom. We're part of this uh, this physical world, this ecology that we live in. Mm. And therefore, when we want to pretend that we're not, when we want to think that we've evolved to the point that some some guy somewhere is picking tomatoes 
and I just get to go to the shop and eat it. And then eventually I get to the point where I forget about all of that. I forget that that even exists. And now we're all trying to, you know, get our tomatoes and our chicken at the moment at the, at the supermarket. It's like, where yeah. the hell's my damn chicken, right? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, you've been disconnected from the idea of chicken or, or from the transcendental reality of chicken for a long time. <laughs> you know, yeah. You've been going this. to KFC for years. Absolutely. You know, do you, do you know chicken is an animal? <laughs> yeah. What, you think those 12 herbs and spices just, you know, just show up on your plate? The farmer dusts them, right? Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the herbs and spices. Look, it's, it's, it, it's not real. It's like people don't. It's not, I'm not making the point that people actually don't know that they're animals, but they disconnect in their mind the fact that they are and the fact mm. that they've traveled thousands of kilometers and been frozen and killed by all of these people and gone through these really industrialized processes, which have disconnected us from our physicality, from the mm. way that we're connected to the world that we live in. And I think what you're speaking to there is, well, there's value in understanding origin. Because if we go back to the bookends, then we're essentially reconnecting origin. Where'd this chicken come from and how did it get here? Right. And I think maybe, and this is just an idea that's popped in my head. If we fail to see all four and how they are congruent or not, and only just focus in on one, we fail to see what's actually going on. Another thing, right? Climate. All about destiny. Geez, we're getting the controversies out today. Yeah, why not? Why not? We said this was not going to be the standard business pod. And this is the (laughs) thing. Like, we're all having conversations like this, so we might as well put it out on air. Absolutely. Real quick, though, you you hear Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan podcast obviously got released um, this week, and they they just kicked it off with climate. Just went straight straight into it. All right, we will in a second. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead, Steve. But, you know, like that's, that's. And hurry, nice. hurry it along, would you? Because I want to get to the, I'm kidding. Go ahead, go ahead. You know? <laughs> but that's like, that's massively focused on, you know, on, on destiny. Um, but if it's just, you know, 100% destiny without also understanding, you know, the origin and the meaning and the morality. And, you know, Joe Rogan br- brings it up. He's like, you know, soul is great, but who's, who's digging out all those rare earth things in the middle of the ground to, make the rich people happy that they've got clean green energy. We still have to also understand the origin that people are in slave labor conditions, digging rare earth minerals out of the ground and absolutely in terrible, terrible, terrible scenarios. So if we just focus on the destiny of where we're going to create this big old great world, but also fail to forget the origin, the meaning and the morality of how we're actually going to go there. It's a mess. Without origin, meaning morality, help me to understand why I should give a crap about the destiny. Right, like I'm going to be dead before this stuff really impacts me, and when yeah. I'm dead, what do I care? Right, like we actually need the origin, meaning, and morality in order to understand why the destiny matters. And yeah. again, I think that this is a level. This is there's a level of incongruency here because people believe passionately in this cause, uh, and then it will be you know, platitudes, I'm not necessarily demeaning them as empty platitudes, but it will be statements like, you know, for the betterment of society, you know, for the future of humanity or whatever. And I'm like, but, but when have you yeah, done that already? Like, why do we, why do we <laughs> care about that? Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying we shouldn't. I just want to know yeah. why we should care about it. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to, to look at. It's a cracking model to see things through, Steve. I just reckon it's, because there are like immediately, as soon as you told me about that, I could see incongruencies in my own well, philosophy in bit- and approach to the world. Just like immediately. It's like, oh yeah, that doesn't actually add up okay, but when I say that. Yep. Here's the challenge though, Darth. Seeing it is one thing. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just helping people see it is a billion dollar industry called personal development, actually yeah. doing something. Uh, you don't have to solve it. anything. No. Yeah. Just, no, just understand it. I will throw yeah. you, I will throw you the most unexpected, maybe it's not that unexpected, but a really unexpected answer to that question for me. That's, yes. that's changed a lot and not in any way that I'll see how I go explaining it, but having a vegetable garden, don't. doing something real, doing real work in the real world and you know like what we're building a soft you know i spend most of my time building this software uh package with you guys sitting in front of a computer zooming people across the world right that's what i'm doing it's not necessarily a bad thing it's a great thing 
but there there is that embodied nature of who we are mm. and something as simple as tending to a garden it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a vegetable garden but i'm a little bit too practical and so i was always for ages i was like what's the point of a flower if you can't eat it i've, I've become a little bit more interested pretty in important <laughs> pretty yeah, important part of the whole thing isn't it <laughs> yeah but not only, like, not only <laughs> would have loved to have seen seen your wedding day diff what do we need the flowers i was, for, I was marrying someone else right she <laughs> liked flowers <laughs> yeah i wasn't gonna be like no nah, no flowers i don't give a stuff yeah yeah you knew who you were marrying (laughs) no but it's 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 actually a real a real simple practical thing that doesn't impact you in a way that is uh quantifiable like there's no empirical study that i can do on myself to say this is the impact that this had empirically provably Mm. but I do feel like it helped me to uh, to connect in with you know the the larger picture of of who I am and what I am and what I'm doing in this world. Yeah. It meant that when I see a hundred cucumbers wrapped up in plastic at the shopping center, yeah. there's like there's something connected to that now. There's yeah. there's the hard work that it's taken me to grow ten, and then you kind of go, you know, everything means more. Yes, when you are interested in understanding where it came from and million percent and what the processes are so you're kind of you're you're thickening the world you know mm. and that's an expression that a bunch of philosophers that i like kind of talk about the thickness of the world rather than everything becoming flat and stale and boring mm. there's a thick dimension dimensionality to the world everything's imbued overflowing with meaning and everything mm. matters so much more but but we've got to get involved like we've got to get yeah. our hands dirty in order to be able to see it and experience it properly yeah and i think i think uh, another really practical one like that is um kind of when i went on the journey of wanting to understand my own ancestry like that is an incredibly fruitful experience that most people have never gone down asking the question what was my great great grandfather like or how far can i trace it back you know when, when i went and visited you know brandenburg and East, East Germany and like go walking in the village of my fifth great grandfather, Johann Dickfuss. You know, I was like, this is where he grew up. Like, and just the, just even the- When did compre- he change his name, Steve? Like, was it when they started speaking English? And <laughs> Yeah, there was a lots of, oh man, there's a whole story around that. But, you know, for a while there, we, Clayton was actually with a T and then it was Clayton and all sorts of stuff. There's this weird sort of rich. But at some point in time, he's like, you know what? Dickface is not the name for me. No, nah, <laughs> it's Dickfuss. Dickfuss. Uh, Sorry, but, that uh, must have been my mic. I didn't hear it. Yeah. But like <laughs> even just the comprehension, right? So like he, he immigrated, well, not him, but he's, you know, two generations down, immigrated from Brandenburg to like down near Rosewood, like Flagstone Creek sort of area, right? And just, just the comprehension of like, it's, it takes a long time to fly from Brisbane to Germany, even in business class, right? But the fact that that dude- Must be nice. Yeah. But the fact that that dude picked up his family, not even knowing, jumped on a boat, circumnavigated halfway around the world to create a new life that they've never seen before. No internet, like literally just letters- the first family came, they sent a letter back saying, yep, good farming land. And that was enough for people to go, all right, let's pack up and go. Just the comprehension of that when I've got a little small issue today, all of a sudden puts it into a context of meaning far bigger than if I was just in my own little world, you know? And so that's even just a massively practical thing that I, you know, I encourage as many people as I can to trace back your ancestry go ask it go sit with if you if you're lucky enough to still have your grandparents alive sit down with them and ask them about stories one it'll give them life and meaning back and purpose because half of them are just stale old you know vegetables waiting to die because they think that their time is gone until you start asking them about stories and then watch them light up but yeah. two the richness that you will find what you said there diff the thickness that you will find in understanding your ancestry and their stories is has for me anyway has been so enlightening massively enlightening yeah our our individualism isolates us not just in the right now but it isolates us from our past as well but being connected into that past just fills out so much of of how we understand ourselves Mm, um now (laughs) final thing here before we wrap up uh let's say this for those that haven't listened 
the Jordan Peterson by Joe Rogan podcast, the second episode he ever did. I can't remember what episode number it was to me. And I, I, I'm a bloke who, you know, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. I'll accentuate truths. I'll, you know, blast them up and I'll often over-exaggerate things. Happy to do so. But I swear to you, this is the truth. That episode two that Jordan Peterson did with Joe Rogan is the single best piece of content I've ever consumed in my life. When he, especially when he talks about saving your father from the belly of the whale as a man mm. and your growth happening to be psychological about it. Um, Freud used to say that you, um, you essentially, you will uh, never become a real man until your father dies. Um, but then uh, essentially Carl Jung came along and said, yes, but that death can happen symbolically. So it doesn't have to happen in real life. The whole idea is the second that you supersede your father, um, it literally opens up something in a male's DNA that pushes them to a new height, to a new level that they can't access without, without doing it, right? Anyway, it's a whole metaphor thing. But that piece of content was one of the most... I was just sat there with my jaw dropped for about 90 minutes listening to Jordan Peterson riff on this, right? Now, that was before he got sick, before he got crook and had all the troubles that he did. We don't need to go into that in the podcast. But anyway, moving forward, this new third episode got released. When did it get released? Last week? Last week, three, yeah. three, Last week, three days ago? No, it was Wednesday, actually, because I got rained out on golf. And, um, and I was like, you ripper. Like... The, speak about too much of a good thing, right? I was like, you ripper, this is gonna, this is gonna be just as good. Guys, I'm telling you now, I'm 40 minutes in. I've never been more bored. I, 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 I was so disappointed. I just thought, so there's a couple of things I thought. I felt like Jordan Pearson was talking about topics that really I didn't think were really his field of ultimate expertise like we know him for. Um, that was one thing. And number two, like, I sent this to a mate. I sent a voice message to a mate. He knows who he is when he receives this, but when he hears this. But I was like, Jordan Peterson, when I listen to him now, all I can think is like, I'm sorry, JP. Like, what did I do? Why are you so angry at me all the time? You're so annoyed at your, everyone all the time, including yourself, probably underneath it all. And I, I don't know, part of this episode was just, it was too much for me. I was like, this has, you've let me down. And I really, I really uh, expected more is all. That's my review. So go listen if you need. But honestly, I was let down. Go ahead, Diff, your thoughts. Well, I've never been a huge... Well, I, I, I liked it, to be honest. Oh, I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of the best piece been... of content I've ever heard. <laughs> it changed my life. Yeah. It totally changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> when JP gets angry, oh, it just mm. fills me with joy. So, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I've never been like a raging raving fan of of jordan peterson in fact i wouldn't even say that i'm probably a fan it doesn't mean i don't like him but i certainly don't go out of my way to listen to him i listen to jp when he talks to people that i want to listen to yep. not when he's talking by not when himself. he's the guest yeah and in particular i mean my favorite jp episode and i haven't listened to very many um but anytime he talks to uh, Jonathan Pajot or Robert Barron. So the Four Horsemen of Meaning that came out a couple months ago. Yeah, I need to listen to that. Is just so good. So yeah. good. Because they're not talking about what I would consider inconsequential things. Now, the things that JP talks about with Rogan in this episode are not inconsequential, but... Um, they just kind of go around in circles a bit. And I agree, like JP's like a specialist on climate all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about pollution and how many kids die from breathing in fumes from the fireplace in their house and all this sort of stuff. And I really appreciate that Joe fact checks him all the time. He's like, yeah, that can't be real. And then he looks it up and it turns out most of the time, it's kind of it's kind of real, but JP's forgotten some of the <laughs> And then there was that one time where he yeah, that one one where it like just flat out is wrong. Where yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have said that then. I get like, concerned. <laughs> I get I've I've gotten concerned. And listen, like we've got a podcast and I I never want to I would never want to see <laughs> everyone knows that. who we are. So it's like, <laughs> please don't fact check anything you hear on this podcast. <laughs> I made nominalism up. It's not real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, look, uh, I get concerned that JP is so big now that he feels like he can say whatever he wants. Mm. Um, 
and that's just that's just the kind of the feeling that I get from listening to him now. And um, I I also I'll, I'll be honest. I also feel like he stum- he stumbles around a lot. He takes a long time to say stuff. He get, he goes yeah. off on tangents, and I understand he's always done that. But for me personally, that it's not hugely compelling, right? So him talking to Joe is good, but the problem is he's the guest. And I am not a huge fan of listening to him as a guest. And I don't think he realizes, and I know I've got this problem myself, boys. So please, you know, I'm, I'm aware. I don't think he realizes how much he dominates conversations. You dominate conversation, Diff. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a problem. I do my best. Far from. But when, even when he has guests on his own show, I'm like, dude, dude, I'm here to listen to the other guy, right? Like we, we know what you think about stuff. Uh, so yeah, in short, uh, I got more respect for, uh, Joe out of it, less respect for JP out of it. Mm. It's, it wasn't great listening. Um, there were parts of it that were pretty good when he's in his wheelhouse. He's still great. He's, oh, you know, when he's in clinical that whole maps of meaning, that oh. maps of meaning story type stuff. He is, I don't think there's any better. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you listen? Did you listen Steve, to the, um, about, it's a great review diff by the way. I'm about like an hour, hour and a quarter in or something, I think, but similar. I was just like, I've been walk like, I always listen to podcasts on my walks. So by an hour and 15 in, I'm like, I've done plenty of hill climbs. Like I'm puffed out of my mind. And normally I know it's a good podcast if I am not thinking about that at all while I'm doing it. But yeah, I was like, I was like, I was tired. So I was like, this is obviously not stimulating my brain in the way where I'm forgetting about physical yeah. pain. That's All you're me. being reminded of is JP probably thinks you're not enough of a man yet. You need <laughs> to grow up and be mature and responsible. Boys, yeah. I want to add in one practical, I want to add in a little closing segment for every podcast moving forward. Right, go for it. Because I, I can sense that um, we will continue to fall down rabbit holes. We will continue yes. to have enlightening, meaningful discussions. But I also know that our audience wants takeaways they want something they can hold and move forward so i want all of us to finish with either one practical takeaway based on our discussion today whether it's something that we ourselves learned during that Mm -hmm. or a piece of advice that we could pass off or a question for our audience to be thinking about i think that would be a a cool way to finish every episode so that it's something uh something practical and tangible so you das what was yeah what's a what's a practical throw out what are we going to call it by the way we're making this up on real real fly it's our three cents, okay? Yeah, our three cents. cents. Nice. Our three cents. What's yeah, your, nice. What's I like that. Cent? What's your scent, Dust? You're quick at those. Um, for me, I can resonate with the connecting with the bigger uh, uh, story behind anything that you're doing. Um, that the loneliness that can come with individualism yeah. is, is t- it's necessary sometimes. I think it's great to go internal. I love that. It's a ball in there. It's scary, but it's fun, right? Um, you know, you've got to do it from time to time, but you don't want to live there. That's not, that's not what it's about. So I, we, go, we go to the uh, markets to do our shopping every Saturday morning and the feeling there of like natural, organic, homegrown vegetables, you're buying chicken that was literally, you know, came from the farm two kilometres away. Like it's, it's real. Um, and actually connecting with that more often um, and just noticing that and questioning, oh, where did this come from? What is the origin story of what I'm even eating right now? Mm. Um, I think that's really, that's a, a form of mindfulness, which is always healthy, you know? Yeah. So that's it for me. Connecting to, the, connecting to the bigger picture of anything I'm doing right now, including the fact that I'm sitting here on a screen that someone literally created in a factory somewhere two years ago. They yeah. literally did it. Someone actually created this thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well said. That's your one cent, Dust. What's your one cent, Diff? Super practical, uh, and in line of what I was saying before about you know just wanting people to, encouraging people to be more interested in the the larger picture of philosophy, uh, instead of recommending going and reading Plato, which you can totally do if you've never read Plato. He's he's actually really really accessible. Read the Republic or the Apology or something like that. But so that's you can do that. But if you're not sure that you can do that. If you listen to podcasts, and obviously you do if you're listening to this one, I will recommend a podcast called The History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps. Now, it is long. So each episode is only about 20 to 30 minutes long. It's been going for about 12 years, and he's up to 1500s. Uh, and, but he is brilliant. He's, a, he's really, really clear uh, and gives you these you know, clarity of ideas, uh, broad, 
but deep, you know, so you can skip stuff if you're not into it or whatever. But um, yeah, that's my two cents because I, oh, one of my one of my cents. It's my one cent uh, because, <laughs> like I say, we don't need to reinvent the wheel when we try to understand the world. People have been doing this for a long time, yeah. and the more that you understand about the past, the better you can understand the present. Yeah, well said. Well, I think we're all on, all on very similar trains here. Like my my practical thing would be just simply pick up the phone, ring your ma, ring your pa. If you're hanging out with some old people this week, even your mum and dad, you might not have ever asked your mum and dad, tell me some stories of what it was like when you were my age. What were you, what do you have to deal with? Those stories are so rich, not only for the person that gets to share them, um, but what you will learn about yourself through that is insane, insanely valuable. Uh, and it might, you know, might bring a lot, lot of meaning to the family. So that would be nice. my practical scent. Very much origin-based, boys, today, wasn't it? Yeah, very. Yeah, love it. Love it. So thanks for tuning in to episode 56 of the Pursuit of Love podcast. This podcast is sponsored by The Outbound Game, which is the software company that us three lads are building around the world. If you want to check out more about that, feel free to head over to outbound.game to learn more. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing you another episode next Friday. And uh, in the meantime, keep it real. Cheers. Cheers. Enjoy your wordles this week, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>